It's that give and take from the very beginning that, that cultivates that team mentality. It chops you down, right? It yeah. forces you to supplant the self and put the team ahead of everything else, even if you're winning, even if whatever. And it's always a competition, not necessarily to be victorious, if you will, but it's more of it's about the competition itself to serve your boat crew, to, to be serve one, no, your to classmates. Be, to, to be one of them and all at all times. To, to do that. It's the funniest thing. I was like, I want to be like the guy who's tossing me the worst whipping I ever had in my life. Amen. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, when you say it like that, it sounds horrible, right? Like, why in the hell would anybody do that? But it's it's counterintuitive. Yeah, it just kind of it, it sucks you in, man. And then when you when the guys around you are sucked in. And it's funny because when you're going through steel training, you think, man, there's no method to this. Right? You're just beating the dog. And it's it's just, purely yeah, sadomasochistic. You know, these guys are just taking a break insane, from yeah. combat and just tossing a beat and sitting off some aggression, whatever. But every move is calculated from the time he Shillen walked over there. and uh, He had a purpose for it. Right. It's funny because the beatdowns are actually mitigated by the attitudes of the instructor. Every it's time. it's usually the nicest guy. A lot of times they'll throw you the worst whipping. The two-facers. And, right, yeah. And they're going to be like, you know, I... Hey, I had to go through this. You're going to go through it. I'm going to beat you so bad. And then we get to the teams. We'll be bros. And then that happens. And then you got the guys who toss you a beating so bad. And then you get to the teams and it's not that way. <laughs> Dude, I got your number now, boy. You know what I mean? <laughs> the, the slip throughs. <laughs> well, my point of this whole thing is, man, is and, and what this show is going to teach you, the listener. And by the way, thank you so much for coming back. As you know, uh, Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell, and me, Instructor Rudd, we are in so stoked and so blessed for what you guys have done for us in terms of coming back every week, listening to us, sending us in the amazing stories, your own Never Quit stories, sending in all the comments on social media, and really propelling us to be one of the top podcasts on iTunes in 2016 in just six months. That's not on us. That's on you and on our amazing guests. And and today is we we're bringing one of our own on, brother. We're bringing this incredible human being. And and Marcus, I know you, you you've been around Clint a long yep. time, man. And 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 you know when when you think about Clint Bruce, what what goes through your head? A lot of guys wear a lot of hats in the SEAL teams, and some guys wear a couple of hats, and they're really good at it. And the ones that that kind of stand alone and make themselves unique, especially if. The officer enlisted. There is that, unfortunately, that break in, in our community. There has to be that. Somebody has yeah. to take the rap for us, man. And, and, <laughs> and that's the great part about our officers, man. I'm like, look, you're a Navy SEAL, but you're also going to take the rap for all those Navy SEALs. Absolutely. And then the way they get in with us is they give us rank in, in the enlisted, like the chief. Uh, you think I'm going to take it? I'm going to bust it down on you. And that's how it rolls downhill, right? <laughs> right, right. You, you got a guy, an athlete that wears both hats and sees both sides of it and just takes the responsibility of being a leader, right? Seriously. Yeah, he like, takes I, it to his core. takes it on. Yeah. Well, he, he takes that responsibility. A lot of guys lead just because I want to be I want to be known as the leader, and then there's the other guys who will take the responsibility of leading me because of the pressure that comes with it. That's, and that's and look those. forward to that. Sure, yeah, I deal with it. You know, taking those heavies. And, and those guys Clint. are great at that, too. I mean, and the SEAL teams are great at that. Thinking back, you, you, once you get out and, and you're then the next generation, you see things. It's crazy because... Talking to the Vietnam guys, when they talk to us, you're like, no way, we're not, no, you guys are awesome, man. Yeah, that whole yeah, back yeah, and forth yeah. right now, these younger guys are coming like, man, these guys are on point, man, they're, they're hardcore. It's hard for people to, in the SEAL teams, everyone's like, yeah, I like that dude, solid guy, you know, yeah. especially. Yeah. And and I, I'd run across too many people who 
who have anything bad to say about him. So man, it was all I didn't I didn't I wasn't lucky enough to ever be under his command, but yeah. You know. No, he he's a legend. And and if you've never heard of Clint Bruce, this is a guy that'll just blow you away. Clint grew up in Dallas, played football, lost his father early on, and then went on to a, a, an incredible career as the captain of the U.S. Naval Academy football team. And he was actually the MVP of the 1996 Aloha Bowl Championship team and eventually was inducted into the Navy Hall of Fame. Uh, well, what's amazing about Bruce, though, is he didn't, I mean, coming out of the Naval Academy, he was actually invited to the Baltimore Ravens camp in 97, and then again with New Orleans Saints in 99, um, after actually complete completing SEAL training, um, uh, which is an amazing thing. But it, it ended up going to SEAL Team 5 and, and, and really participated at the highest level after 9-11 and did multiple uh, uh, deployments in the teams. I mean, the guy is... And, and and like you said, has just a stellar reputation as a true leader's leader. You know, the guy who's out front, the guy who is. That's, that's what, back in the day, just you had the barbarians that would drag their knuckles. You'd be like, go <laughs> tackle that wall. And then you had the real smart guy standing over there. And then all of a sudden, a barbarian get hit in the head or something. And he's so intelligent that it's, that's what you're dealing with here, right? <laughs> I mean, this guy. Are you has, calling Bruce a barbarian that was hit in the head? He packs a lot of, I mean, blocks a lot of sun. He's, he's a girl. I mean, God, what they I'd be like, all right, sir, get in there and lead, you know, because he's a shield <laughs> for most of us. <laughs> oh, that's so yeah. awesome. And uh, the best part about it is he has the ability to articulate both worlds, man. Totally. You know does. What I mean? That's what always impressed, impressed me. You know, I, I met him. He was at Team 3. I was at Team 1. And we actually, we had some mutual friends who rode motorcycles. And I, and I went out riding with him this one time. And, and, you know, I'd heard about him that, you know, he had played lacrosse and I played lacrosse too. And, and, uh, man, I thought I was going to get this kind of knuckle dragon, you know, football player, lacrosse guy, like we all are. And he was this very articulate and very, you know, in-depth guy for us being where we were in, in our careers. And <laughs> It's funny because now we're at the age we're at and he's got that big old gray full bit. Now it ah. reminds me of, you know, back in the day of the, the really smart, Totally, totally, dude. He's like the wizard, you know. Not you, wizard, but like, yeah. yeah. Not to get out and walk it anymore. And now he just stands back and judges. You know, he's like super thick Gandalf, (laughs) badass Gandalf. (laughs) He's like badass Gandalf, dude. Right? (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe I said I just did a a, a Gandalf comment. All right, all right. Anyways, this is where I. I've been looking forward to this interview for so many different reasons because I really think he's going to help the the listeners, you guys out there that are paying attention to this. And if you want to know more about what it is we do or you want to learn more about the different shows, please visit us at tnqpodcast.com. You've got an incredible list of former guests that we have on there, some great other things that you can find on why Marcus and I are doing it. So go check that out. Also visit the teamneverquit.com website where you can find great merchandise. You can find our speakers bureaus with just a, a whole host of amazing people that you could hire for your company or for your team or whatever it might be to help inspire you and, and everybody around you, your team uh, on how to build the great never quit mindset. So I've, I've really been looking forward to this show because I think what Bruce brings is this great depth, right? 
from the Naval Academy or the early loss of his father, the Naval Academy, the, the NFL, the SEAL teams, the SEAL officer, uh, an entrepreneur, uh, you know, a guy his carry the load, incredible foundation that he started, plus working with vets and trying to prevent veteran suicide. I mean, this guy and his faith and as a family man or a father. This guy brings the whole package, and I, and I really believe he's going to help us understand that competitive mindset that drives us, really, and, and helps us become great leaders in the never-quit mindset. So, what do you think, man? Should we should we get super fired yeah, up and get old Clint on? Yeah, come on. All right, let's get him on. And that's what I got to tell you, Marcus, because... You you know what happens to me, but blood pressure hits off. It hits a whole nother level, maybe 210, 225, whatever it takes. And I, because 220, I get 225, works. Whatever works, whatever works. And 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 I start feeling it. But but this guy in particular has got a whole special place of love in my heart. Because not only he's not an e dog, right? Well, he is an e dog. He just he's we'll get some, that too, right? Yeah, but somehow they gave him those bars. I don't know how that happened, but it happened. Football so, player, football, football player. That's what he said. He said football. That's about it, right? That's about it. All right. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, our close friend, teammate, Mr. Clint Bruce, brother. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm great. I'm all the better for being on here with you guys right now. You know how I see how he interrupted us while we were while we we're doing our intro? And officers, they just can't. I can't look at him like a regular <laughs> officer though. I know that's this is the reason I've why tried. this is the reason why I give him so much so much grief about it is be, because of that reason. Okay. You don't? I, I, I never gave him grief because I'd always look over and oh, I'd be weak, the one dude. No, dude no, no, be no. like, let's, that's not how it works. If you because well, we would bust balls about about playing lacrosse against each other, right? Well that's and, a and, that's a sports thing. And, I'm talking and, about in the teams. If you have an officer who is one of those and then Comes yeah. in with the enlisted guys, then you you give them the grief when no one you know when oh, you're you away from the flag. To. You just told me you didn't. No, no, for yeah, absolutely. What? I didn't. I didn't uh, understand. Wizard, ring the, did I win that one? Is that that's the first one? No, you win regularly. Do I? Yeah, you do. You do. Oh, all right, all right. But so I, know we, I can never get my point across. Well, the point is, is we got a badass. Clint Bruce, a teammate on who has got, I'm sure, the most amazing never quit stories on the planet that he's going to share with all you, our listeners. And and if you if you've forgotten, remember we had Clint on when we we brought uh, Brandon McDowell on the 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 lone survivor from the Arizona Hot Shots group, and Clint was uh, instrumental in in Brandon's. Uh, you know, his turn being over able to overcome, so to speak, that those challenges that all warriors, that all all people on the front lines face through tremendous loss and adversity. And and Clint was uh, an instrumental role in that, as well as you know, as, as we did in his his opening and his description. I told you a little bit about him. Man, this is a guy that is a hundred percent focused on 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 returning the, the the favors that he's gotten in his life through the servitude of, through his face, through the servitude of his businesses. And most importantly, through servitude through other vents. But before we get there, Clint, you know what time it is, right? Yes, I do. It is Mad Minute time, brother. It is Mad Minute, and and by, he's got he's got this massive tree trunk of a gorilla arm that just went up. All right, so why don't you start away, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages? We'd like to introduce you to the Mad Minute. All right, fire away, Marcus. I always start favorite superhero. Incredible Hulk. Damn, that was an easy yeah, one. Yeah, yeah that I, I think we are. All right. What is the movie that you've watched the most times? 
Oh, that's a that's between Big Trouble in Little China, Cannonball Run, or Lethal Weapon One. All, all, all three of them. You know, neck and neck. you know what I love is Cannonball Run is a little known gem that's out there anymore, and and that's got to be one of my oh. favorite movies of all time. It's one of those two they can actually redo it, and it can be good if you got a, a good cat. I mean, the next generation. Some 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 movies you're not supposed to do a sequel. You you know it's going to be. It's like man, you can't. It's going to be garbage. Can't be redo that one. But Cannonball Run because of the celebrity, the Burt Run. <laughs> man, I I watch it. It's timeless. I think. You, you know what you need? Timely, you need man. to talk Peter Berg into doing a Cannonball Run. No, I have. And then we can do I'm a not, cameo, I, the I three talk, of us in it. Oh, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> I don't think I haven't. We'll drive a tank across country. I think, didn't Clint, you and I might have talked about this already, and we were yeah. together, and I sent him a text like, man, you got to redo Cannonball Run. <laughs> it's like, I think Mark and... Um, and um, Will. Yeah, th- those guys are great together, man. That The, uh, the other guys... Great yeah. movie. Oh, unbelievable. Movie. All right, go ahead. Fire away. Last Desk Pop. <laughs> hey, they want me to do a Desk Pop. Can I do it? Can I do it here? Hold on. If you can't do it right now, just when was your last one? That was an homage to my boy. <laughs> Dude, you, you put it out there, but you know Clint's never had a Desk Pop, bud. You don't know that. He's an officer. Well, come on, bro. He's not. We just established he's not your typical. <laughs> Uh, all right, next next question. Next question. All right, what's your power animal? Oh man, I would say a silverback gorilla. It's animals, and it's a silverback gorilla riding a great white shark. Dude, I want a T-shirt with hey, that what? on. <laughs> what? I, I, dude, I was reading. What sure. that was, I caught the end of it though. That sounded epic. It's a silverback gorilla riding a great white shark, carrying a lunchbox in one hand and a trident in the other, because he's going to work, brother. That is the new. That is going to be the first team never quit podcast shirt right there. <laughs> you got to bring your lunch pail to work. You got to bring your lunch pail to work. That's what Meatloaf does. And <laughs> bring your lunch to work. All right, uh, Burt Reynolds' best role. Who does Jesus love the most? I mean, how do you even answer that? I mean, they're all. Yeah, I couldn't hear him when he was. Uh, my went down, but I was like, man, how do you even? I answered my own question. I'm sorry. I should have sent that out. <laughs> I, I got to tell you that. Stroker Ace is an outstanding one, and then Gator's good. Gator is awesome, brother. Gator is awesome. All right, here you go. Yeah. If you could be president for one day, what would you do? I'd reinstitute the two men enter, one man leave uh, fighting. When you can't figure out everything else, <laughs> you just you arm wrestle, or you fight, or you play trivia to see who wins. <laughs> Dude, that's actually genius. It's like intellectual and physical paper, rock, scissors. You better figure it out. No stone left unturned. I, I think that's what, you know, you know, at Marcus, you got to tell the call the governor and have him implement that. Mm. You got to get in Don's right. ear. All right, go ahead. You're, throw, throw one more out at him. Um, I didn't, what would you end on? Best way to keep the enlisted man down. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've got a whole book on that. I know. What you got to do is you got to ask them questions when the around. So when they come up with great answers, you can make it yours, and no one else can argue with that. Right? Actually, you threw one of those big words out you earlier like, when no, you came no, on the show. <laughs> <laughs> college or pros? I'd like to know that, actually. I ask everybody who plays football. College or pros? College. Why, Clint? Why? Because you've been at both. I think it's, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think college is a little more uh, – there's a little more purity to it. And I think the college thing is – in college – will matters 
in the league, there's so much talent, and it's and it's really matching talent. And, the, and will matters more. But man, I, I love the underdog elements of college and the fact that on any given Saturday, someone can run away with it just because they wanted it more that day. I think discipline and conditioning and uh, uh, love for your teammates can can win the day in college sometimes more than it can in the NFL. And I, I just love that that intangible piece of it. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. All right, all right, all right. Clint, well, we appreciate you playing the Mad Minute with us. Uh, uh, obviously, we could, the three of us could go on for about a day playing that yep. game. But what, what listeners are here for and the seriousness of this show and what we try and provide and what Marcus and I and, and what you as a Team Never Quit speaker try and do for the people out there that we come in contact with is to give them something, to give them something that will help them face adversity, overcome the challenging obstacles in their life, to defeat the negative insurgency day in and day out. So, Clint, let's jump right into this. Could you please tell our listeners your greatest never-quit story or stories? Yeah, that's a great question. We were talking about that earlier. I would tell you, one of the things that if you only have one, then, then that means you're, you're not really pushing yourself hard enough and you're not living life aggressively enough. Cause I've always tried to do things in such a way that, man, I'm dealing with something that would, would, would make it, you know, someone else quit every day. And that just keeps your teeth and claws sharp and all these other things, but really losing my father at a young age and, and, and not just losing him, but watching him, uh, physically decline yet still, uh, seize the day in any way that he could as he lost his physicality to be able to build into other people in the hospital and the way he was trying to finish sharpening myself and, and my brother and my sister and you know I was fortunate enough to have a father um, not everyone's fortunate and I just lost mine so I'm, I'm not a, I'm not as much of a victim as, as other people who just never had that opportunity but you know you say all these things and you make these uh, 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 decrees and, and promises to your father and on and and all those things are really, really hard now, and, and you got to decide if you're going to be the kind of person who does what you say you're going to do, or you're going to use that loss as a as a, the perfect excuse for the rest of your life, or if you're going to use it as fuel. And I, I think for me, that was one of those moments where a lot of people say not everybody does, and I wanted to begin to distinguish myself as someone who does and, and doesn't just say. And and I think my life since then has, you know, you see, everybody says they want to be a team guy, you know, but you know everybody wants to be a frogman on Friday, and and, and so just constantly. You know, every day, every week, um, every year, be doing something that makes you want to quit, so you can figure out who you are and what you're made of when when you when you just don't. Can you take us back, if you don't mind? I mean, if you don't want to talk about that, that's cool. But can you take us back when you first found out? My God, this this man who's been so influential, who's been this great father. We we're we're looking at something that that is going to change everybody's life. What was that moment for like, and how did he help you all prepare for what you all were going to go through? I think, you know, I'd lost several family members before then and, and to either tragedy or illness or, or uh, something else. I just greatest coaches of all time was uh, in a car accident my junior year and, and, and was in a coma for 90 days. So I, I think what I dealt with was losing people or losing the person that I knew and loved and watching them kind of reemerge as, as someone else. But I remember sitting in the hospital and my father was, was a big man when he was, you know, went in the hospital, he's my size. And, and when he passed away, I could pretty much carry him in one arm. He had wow. just kind of um, lost much of his physicality. But I remember seeing him one time and, and it was, 
you know, some of my very first special operations missions were, you know, busting my dad out of the hospital that's taken to this Naval Academy recruiting dinner, which that was not an Ocean's Eleven deal at all. That was that was more like uh, <laughs> the great escape. Yeah, it was great. We we uh, we took our 1984 Mark 8 family van and about seven guys that I played high school football with and tried to sneak into the garage. And I remember this clear as day, Greg Kirkus, our center, decided he would draw, he would climb up on the back ladder of the van to make sure we cleared the, the, the garage roof. And, and we just heard this loud thump and I turn around <laughs> and Kirkus is out cold on the parking lot, holding the ladder in his hand. I'm like, I don't think we made it. <laughs> Busting my dad out, going to the recruiting dinner and, and all these other things. But I remember when the illness got such that the doctors didn't know what to do anymore. And I went up and saw my dad and, and he sat me down. He said, Hey son, you're a leader. I've, I've raised you to be a leader. And I said, yes, sir. And he goes, um, well, here's the deal. Leaders talk about what they don't want to talk about. They say what they don't want to say and they plan for what they don't want to happen. So we got to talk about this now. And it wasn't, it wasn't him saying he was done fighting. It was just him saying you can do everything right. And it still didn't work out. And you got to be ready for that moment. If you're a leader, and for me, I think, you know, knowing that as, as a believer and knowing that as an athlete, knowing that it was very, um, I think, intellectually and academically, you can know that. But when you hear this kind of gold standard uh, say that same thing, then you start, it's just a story, now. it's yours. And so I, I think for me, that was kind of the, the moment where you're like, hey, you know, I know my dad's going to fight as hard as he can, uh, um, but that doesn't mean it's going to work out. And, and you got to find a way to roger up and continue mission when that happens because you've got a little brother and a sister and a mom that are going to turn and look at you when this thing goes down, even if it goes down the way you don't want it to. And so for me, that's, that was kind of uh, where everything you learn on the football field, everything you learn on the playground with your friends, everything, it became real then and, and not just about a game that ends on at 60 minutes on Friday night. It's like, hey, this is the rest of my life. Um, I'm picking up the belt and running with it uh, because that's what I'm supposed to do. I've just been trying to live up to that ever since then. One of the amazing things that I see, uh, uh, you know, that you've got these great videos online. And if anybody, if anybody is out there listening, what you got to do is you got to go search, you know, type in on Google, Clint Bruce. And there's these two amazing videos and one in particular um, about Clint and that's on there. And, and, and you talk about this really beautiful moment of, all right, you know, becoming that man and, and taking on board, you know, and, and, and moving forward with, with everything that he had taught you and, 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 and taking it to the next level, right? Welcoming the challenge and, and not turning your back on it. Was, was that what propelled you to push so hard when you got to the academy to become a starter on the football team. I mean, hell, and you're in the, the Naval Academy Hall of Fame for football. I mean, that's an amazing feat in and of itself. There's been some great players. And yeah, not academically, but for football, <laughs> yes. Well, I, I wasn't going to no, go there. No, I was hoping that you would. We, I think we already dispelled that rumor in the beginning of the, the show. But, but <laughs> yeah, for sure. when we were talking prior, you talk about this carrying – that responsibility and really applying pressure for yourself to never be satisfied and to keep moving forward with those core life lessons your father taught you. What was that like moving to the academy? You know, I, th I think um, this is what I love so much about team sports, and I don't really care what the team sport is. Um, but for me, to be in this ecosystem that's dependent on you to do your job at that moment, and, you know, the Battle of San Juan Hill, Theodore Roosevelt. 
if you know anything about history, the Battle of San Juan Hill was not going well, and, and they were losing. And then finally, Theodore Roosevelt looked at everybody and said, hey, do what you can where you are with what you have, and we'll be okay. <laughs> and I think growing up in Texas and growing up in a team sports environment and growing up in a family that, that didn't come from much and always had to depend on each other. And for me, those were reps, right? And those were, it's like scrimmages and, and all these other things. And losing dad is when it went from being repetitions to, 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 to real life. And, and what I found it is my experience as an athlete and, and the way I was coached and the way I was loved by my teammates and my coaches, it, it got me prepared. Um, the rubber kind of met the road in that moment. Was it difficult for, for you to be away from your family so soon after your father's passing uh, and, and being so engrossed? Because being a, a student athlete at any school is challenging, but at the academy in particular, was that tough to have both sides of you, you know, were you in, were you in flux? Yeah, you know, it, it was. Frankly, it was a blessing in a lot of ways because you didn't really have that much time to just think about how miserable you were, how much you missed your family. And I had a really, I had a really important conversation with some some men who just loved my father and were some of his great friends. And and after Dad died, I was I was kind of waffling, you know, because I had opportunities to play at other schools here in Texas and all this other stuff. And, and a couple of his friends kind of came up to me and said, "Hey, listen, uh, you know, you said you were going to do these things, and so are you going to go do these things?" And as a young, proud guy who loves his family a whole lot, I, you know, I was like, no, I got to take care of my family. And, and they just kind of like, you know, like old cowboys do, they just kind of looked at me and smiled and they said, hey, we're happy to have you do that. But you got to explain to us what you can do for your family that we can't. And, and if there's something you as a man who kind of care about you and your family, then stay. But you're going to have to work real hard to tell us there's one single thing you can do for your family that, that we can as a group of men who care about your mom and your brother and your sister. Um, and what you can do for your family is set pace and do the thing you told your dad would do. And for me, that just kind of lit a fire. Um, there were cool. things I you know, told my family I'd do, though. You know, I, wanted to, I wanted to play college football. I wanted to play in the NFL. I wanted to become a SEAL, not because I really aspired to – you know, those are benchmarks for me. It's more just if people are going to pour into you, you ought to find a way to produce an outcome that shows them that you were worth their time. And for me, you know, playing football was an opportunity to uh, to, to show people that I was worth their time and to show my teammates that, hey, this is how far I'll go for you. And, and all the things that everybody says on Monday and Tuesday, I'm going to be consistent with those things on Saturday. And you know, that's why I love football so much because for me at the Naval Academy, um, I really did. And this sounds cheesy when I tell people this. You know, I, I felt like at the Naval Academy, we, we played for the United States of America. And I wanted I wanted any enemy of America to turn on that game and go, hey, here's what I hope. I hope we don't run into 51 on some alley in the middle of the night. Or, <laughs> see, it doesn't matter what the score is. If there's time on the clock, I'm coming for you. And, and for me, I always wanted to do things in such a way that if you and Marcus and Morgan and all these other guys saw an Army-Navy game, you're like, oh, you know, I wanted to be worth y'all as a, as an officer. I, for me, it was always real simple: be worth the time, talent, and 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 capability of the men. And that's all you're trying to do is be worth the men. And so, for me, it was a, be worth what people had poured into me and my family, and to be be worth the time, tears, and sweat of my teammates, and to ultimately be worth. Um, you know what it takes to be a team guy, and, and and the men you get to try to live life with while you're in that season of your life. Well, I, I love that component of, you know, and you imagine you're in that youth. And Marcus, we talk about this a lot of times. So, you know, when you're a lot of young people out there, they don't they don't embrace the magnitude of leadership or 
the potential of their future as much as they need to. But in certain sure. circumstances, like i.e., what we what we end up choosing to do, you're you're kind of forced into it, right? And we talk uh, about that in the teams, whether it's your swim buddy or your your boat crew once you're you're involved in training or or wherever you're you're coming from and you know that's a critical thing for people to realize out there that the opportunities are there for you to move into a leadership role but you got to accept that challenge sure i mean <clears throat> coming from how we grew up and and i'm watching my kids go through this right now and this is why i limit the stuff that sep- that, that gets in between them going back and forth with each other right right and uh, I kind of look at everybody in the teams with the exception. Now, there's exceptions all through the teams and everything like that. But for, we, we were the guys that didn't have the Nintendo and anything getting away. So we had to go outside, right, and find stuff to be good at that was outside. Yeah. And then as you grow older in high school, like the guys that I, my crew, you know them, man. They, the way it was is it, we had all ages. And, 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 everybody and, and every covered grade, down. Right? Yeah. So if, for instance, Morgan and I were so little, we couldn't play football but a lot of the guys did so we would go watch them play football and we were last ones in the stands and yeah. then when we go do something else then they would be there for us right and then the older guys would teach us and kind of set us and see us for what we were and set us on the path that we kind of went to and then same way with the teams i think you get guys in the seal teams who want to be a seal to be a seal then you got guys who are are exceptional to be a navy seals and then you got guys who are who like doing what navy seals do right and, and in all capacity. Just, right. Just doesn't like, matter. Enjoy yeah. it, right. Just, yeah. I enjoy it so much. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm great at it. I just love doing everything that cover, is covered down here. So this is, a, this is why I'm down this road. And, 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 and Clint, you talk a light of, about that yourself, right? You talk about the five different things that people can really be in any situation. Would you expand on that for our listeners? Yeah. You know, I, I try to keep things really simple because I think, Simple is the only thing you can remember when you're scared, stressing over your skis. And mm. if you're doing anything worthwhile, you're going to be scared, stressing over your skis at any given time. So you got to have these simple things. And for me, I think we spend too much time measuring outcomes. I think we use too many words or too many graphs or too many pictures. And the reality is you can pick one word to pick an outcome almost every time. And it was either bad, it was average, it was good, it was excellent, or it was elite. And, and what I found on the football field and what I found in the, in the, in the special operations community and, and all those other things, there's a particular kind of person that understands the distinction between being excellent and being elite. And, and that's the person I wanted to be around. You know, excellence is this place on a map. It's this thing that you said you were going to get to, but there's a particular kind of person that gets to that X and because they said they would, and they high five each other and they hug each other and they celebrate, but then some people are done. And the other people are going, hey, what's next? Yeah. Or, what's that? What's that Love ridge it. line? What's what's that miscovered ridge line that no one's ever been to before? And I'm being around people that just aren't done yet. And, 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 and they don't overlook their accomplishments. They don't fail to celebrate them. And they believe in resting and reloading for the next ridge line. But that kind of, hey, what's next? What's next? You know, it's you look in, and what Marcus just described, and we all know, is life in a tribe is so much better than anything else. Amen. And, and a tribe is a group of people that are united by a common goal, and they recognize the value of different skills and different experiences to get you there. And they know when to shut up, and they know when to stand up. And, and when you're around people that are going the same place you are, and they respect what you do that they can't, and they know when to shut up and when to stand up, and they know that you know when to shut up and when to stand up. You, you tend to get to where you said you're going to go, and it's and it's and it's a hell of a time. 
I, I love that concept about simplifying outcomes, right? Because you're right, we we overcomplicate so much. An interesting thing, though, I think that a lot of people should know about you is, you know, you your push towards excellence or elite in football got you to the NFL. Can you help people understand how that happened and then what ultimately shifted, put you on that pivot of life, so to speak, and drove you to the special operations world and the the teams? Yeah, well, I I like to joke, you know, one of the reasons I left the NFL and went to the SEAL team is is I played the same position as Ray Lewis. (laughs) And I I remember being a... I remember being at practice. I remember being at practice one day and going, "I didn't know someone could do that. Like I didn't, I didn't know uh, that was possible." It's, right. it's like a, and, and I was like, "It might be easier to become a seal than to beat out Ray Lewis." And I, uh, I think so, brother. You know, so I loved it. <laughs> Love I that guy. But but the flip side, the flip side for me is, you know, I was in the brief time that I was in the NFL. For, for me, it was going to be another version of that which I already knew. And probably less of what I loved. And I'm not diminishing NFL. I know lots of guys that are playing right now, and they love it, and I love it for them and all these other things. But for me, um, if I'd have made it in the NFL for very long, if I'd have been a successful uh, football player for very long, at the end of the day, if I'm being really honest, it would have been another version of that, which I already knew to be true. That team sports is wonderful, and that if you set your goal high enough, I mean, it just football had already kind of revealed to me what it could reveal to me, and then I had this unknown ridgeline, this unknown peak that was kind of shrouded and missed that, that I didn't know if I could do. I didn't know if I could become a team guy. I didn't know if I could keep up with those seals I'd met before. I didn't know if I could earn a right to, to live amongst them. And so for me, there's this this kind of something uh, about the unknown that makes me just want to go there. And then thirdly, I was a realist. You know, football is a violent game, and, and people get hurt. And I was fortunate that just – I had a lot of injuries as an athlete, but they're they're injuries that I could deal with and I could play with. And I couldn't imagine what would happen if I, if I, if I had an ACL injury or something and I I could never try to make it into the teams. And so for me, it was that new map. It was that, you know, that, that, that new, uh, that new peak that, I mean, I wonder if I could do that. I wonder if I can do that, you know? And so for me, it was real simple to just say how I got to figure out if I can do this, if I can keep up, with this kind of animal um so at the end of the day it was kind of a simple decision really well that's cool and so many people you know we manifest the the craziness that's out in front of us right the unknown and we turn it those decisions to really challenge ourselves almost where the fear begins to impede the clarity with which you want to live that purpose out and and it, and it clouds like you said i love the visualization of this mist this unknown peak, this what, but you know, up there, you're going to find something out about yourself that's impactful, right? Sure. I mean, that's, they, athletes start doing that at a really young age. Frogmen who aren't athletes, that's kind of one of the advantages they have is dealing with that fear because ultimately what Bud's training does is it teaches us how to harness our fear. Because if, right. if you're afraid, you're not doing anything. I mean, that's a completely different right. animal altogether. Harnessing fear is, in my opinion, what, I, what it was to me was it, was, it gave me courage right yeah standing in front of your fears and just dealing with it and learning that it's not that bad that's what gives you the courage to deal with it and then once you swallow that fear then you have it i mean i still get the butterflies oh yeah yeah you know all that's every guy's kind of different you know like when it when someone the best way i can do it is describing a fight right when someone steps straight to you and every you know when it's coming down i mean that sixth sense that all men have when that testosterone you know it's going down right (laughs) when you get ready but 
I used to be scared to death, right? And but the more you practice in that field, the more you train and to deal with certain situations, then then that's the confidence that comes in. And then the, the fear is still there, though. You just know how to deal with it, man. You deal with it a lot and better. That, when you were talking about simple and fear, I'll, I'll never forget. When we came into the SEAL teams, right out of buds, man, we were afraid every day in SEAL training. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, remember how when we were up on the range on the island, they tell us to jam our mags into our shirt because, well, you're going to do that on a recon, and then you're going to... Yeah, you, you know, can't lose it. your mag. Yeah, you can't lose your mag. Well, then, ultimately, when you come out of SEAL training, you're just... you. What you are is you... You can be trained to do anything. Totally. You're a brain right. So slate. all that sexy stuff that gets stacked on after buds is, is great, right? Yeah. But the one thing that never happened to me is I had never been tested so hard while I was in the SEAL teams to have that fear that I had while I was in buds. Right. So when everything starts dropping off of you, right, and the fear keeps going uh, kind of past what you're used to. Intensifies. Right. I, I'll never forget, man. One thing I, I stopped on during Red Wing, stopped yeah. on the mountain, looked down, and I had a I jammed my mags in my sh- to stop to do that. Right. And then, and and I, I told that story and I heard there's cops that die with brass in their pocket and stuff like that. Yeah. Man, I was yeah. I had I was down to nothing, bro. So I mean, I was down to jamming mags and I know I, I stopped myself on the mountain and there is some simplicity and fear, man, cuz I was scared to death and that's what I was doing. Muscle memory, right? Muscle memory. Muscle because memory. we were trained to do that when we were afraid. And I went right back to that when I was I I'd never been afraid on anything we'd ever done in the SEAL teams because everyone was around us, right? Yeah, you got everybody. You know the confidence every, we have, right? Absolutely. I mean, that confidence that you have because you've got all the boys with you is huge. And it, huge dissects, it actually dissects the fear and spreads it out, right? Well, those guys that are that are really exceptional, man, That I can only imagine what it's like for them. If you get somebody who who's not good at all that, right, in there, and they feed off of the energy of all those dudes around, it's it's awesome so that's the drug right there man is that what, what you can do with with all those guys around you the team that team environment and as you as we grow older man the guys who really really desire that you see them going to exceed further and further usually smaller groups like the nfl yeah. I, I mean you college just like you said you can still love the game and have one of those special games in those moments you you cut it down after college the talent in there is really i mean it's one yeah. of those where you got to make a mistake, yeah. right? And then everybody else is going to fly past you. Well, Clint, this is something I'd love for you to talk about right now. So you came from the NFL, that elite place where, you know, to play. Now you you switched over and you started the process to become elite again. How did those, those concepts of team translate from NFL to special operations? And in particular, your sense of leadership that you learned from your father – that you learned as a naval officer in the NFL and back now as a JO going through SEAL training. Help us explain or help us yeah, understand it, that. It was interesting, and I've learned this lesson again as a businessman. I mean, it's all the same. Nothing changes, right? And I love this conversation we just had on fear. So fear, listen, I've, I've no aversion of fear. Fear is, fear is energy. Fear is just like this Amen. ball right? of kinetic energy that it's going to start eating you unless you start eating it, right? And, and the, I remember we were going through hell week, and it was El Nino or something. We had these massive waves, and, and I remember pulling my boat crew together. I'm like, here's the deal, boys. Fear is cool. Fear is that wave right there. And what's going to happen is you're either going to let fear smash you or you're going to find a way to go through it or we're going to find a way to go over it so fear is okay and marcus you used this word a few times and i love it afraid is what i don't like <laughs> so fear is okay fear is natural fear is normal right afraid is doing nothing when you're experienced fear when you have fear there's really only two ways you can go you can go to afraid or you can go to ready and and, and how you go to ready when facing that fear is you no know, training and teammates and remember 
remember and why you're there and all these little performance hacks that for me, um, they've just been consistent, man. They've been consistent as an athlete. They're consistent as an operator. They've been consistent as an entrepreneur. They've been consistent as a daddy. I mean, for me, I've seen these things work on the ball field, on the battlefield, on the boardroom, and at the breakfast table. They just work. And and that's why I love be involved in things that don't lie to you. You know, football doesn't lie to you. You can say everything you want to. You can get the best press conference in the world. The game tells the truth. Amen. You know, hell, hell week tells the truth. Uh, downrange with the boys tells the truth. And, and if you can't deal with the truth, then then, then you're going to lose. And it's only a question of how many people that hurts when that happens, right? And so for me, it was the same. And that was encouraging to go. I'm not afraid. I, I don't experience fear less. If anything, I, I experience fear just as much now as I did, as I ever have. But I know what it is. And I know it's a wave. And I know that, hey, based on my experience and who I'm with, I'm going to I'm gonna duck dive through it. I'm going to let it go over me and around me. I'm just going to, it's just going to happen. I want to find a way where I'm going to ride the dang thing. And, and turn it one of the most epic deals. That's why I love curiosity. When I, I talk about curiosity all the time, because for me, curiosity is really one of the ways that you can actually rep courage. It's, it's for me, it's a it's a muscle that you can rep. And and I, you know, I'm a 42 year old man, and and I've been blessed to have done some things. If and if I'm in a room full of guys like you and and and, and Marcus and, and and Morgan and peers that I grew up with and guys that I learned from are in a, in a gym and a locker room full of NFL players. And I have a question. I still have a little bit of a, 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 a knot in the pit of my stomach. <laughs> Me too. I, I, I love I, it. I'd sure, I'd sure love for everybody in here to think I already know everything. But, <laughs> but what I tell guys is like, Hey man, elites want to find out or they're, or they're going to get found out. And they know yeah. that because what they're doing tells the truth. And if you don't take the time to find out, you're going to get found out. And so for me, raising a hand and asking a question um, that's a rep. That's like doing a curl for that courage muscle. And I, I teach my daughters that, uh, Hey, ask questions, ask questions all the time, right? Because you're always looking for that performance advantage. And it's just a, it's, it's just a rep. I remember, you know, I, I was lucky, man. I did three platoons as an O and I used to watch this at the beginning of every workup. And then when I was kind of doing some of the other stuff, the oldest guys would ask the most questions. Yep. And one of the questions they would always ask was a question we all knew they knew the answer for. You know, you start up in a platoon in your workup and, you know, trade it goes, hey, this is an M4. It's the basic battle rifle of the special operations community. Who doesn't know how to use an M4? And I remember Dan Gearhart. I think Dan, Dan had <laughs> done like 47. I think he'd done like 47 right? platoons. I don't know. <laughs> but I remember watching Dano, the two platoons we did there, he raised his hand. He goes, hey, I don't know how to use an M4. And we all knew he did, but what he was doing is he was giving permission to ask for everyone asking, you know, hey, I, I don't know how to use this. Hey, I don't know how to use this. And you, you create that culture. Listen, if you're if you're if you're a good leader and you've got a good plan, it can take anybody's questions. So why would you push back on someone asking questions, right? Right. Um, and, and, and you know, if you're young in your career, curiosity is going to be the thing that creates a career that you're proud of. If you're in the middle of your career, curiosity is a catalyst to whatever the next level of your career is going to be. And if you're a leader, let me tell you what, curiosity is the, is the, is the, it's a complacency killer, man. Complacency is the dragon. It'll, it'll kill everything that you let it around. And complacency is the only thing that beats back. Uh, curiosity is the only thing that beats back complacency. So I love being around gray beards that still ask questions. You're still mm. trying to figure it out. You're trying to figure out these truths, man. And, and, you know, that's, that's why I love kind of this, this podcast that you guys are doing, man. And, 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 you know, you, you, you're always trying to learn new ways. Here's the thing. 
I've always kind of, and I tell guys this is their transition out of the special operations community or out of athletics at whatever level and in the pro level, I'm like, hey, man, here's the deal. You think this is a new book that you got to write, but the truth is it's just a new chapter because a Amen. line is a line. A gorilla is a, a silverback gorilla. A shark's a shark. A shark's always going to be a shark. There's only two kinds of sharks. There's young sharks and old sharks. And what you got to figure out is how to become an old shark. And what apex predators know is at some the only thing that can hurt an apex predator is another apex predator. And when two apex predators meet, the only those fights always end in one percent. So it's the curious apex predator that wins. Amen. The ones that try to find that. 1% performance, the one fast, one smooth. We all knew this, man. We remember, we would, I remember we would go out to Nyland to do these IADs, and, you know, you'd have some chief that was just broke, man. It took him 30 minutes to get out of bed. <laughs> all of a sudden, he started doing contact drills, and it was like watching the water roll downhill. And these just creatures, a shark looks lazy till it's coming at you. It looks like it's just lollygagging around. All of a sudden, it becomes what it's supposed to be, and you're like, holy smokes, that's what that's supposed to look the truth. like, right? That's it. Curiosity is the only thing that creates that efficiency. And what I love about curiosity is it's a daily wrestling match with fear. And it gives you an opportunity to go, hey, man, do I shut up and, and just hope I don't get found out? Or do I raise my hand in a room full of people that I respect, admire, and want to feel like I belong to? I go, hey, will you show me how to do this real quick? And, and so for me, it's, it's an opportunity to, to you know, punch a freight in the throat every day. Well, let me ask you something then, all right? Because you're touching on some very critical things for our our, our listeners, and and one of the great things that I've found doing what I've done for the last 15 years, and 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 really just kind of exploring the human condition for the last 25 years, is that we struggle with the truth, and it's a it's a very mm -hmm. challenging thing, and 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 for many people out there that that don't understand how to embrace fear that don't understand the leadership qualities they they struggle with how to discover truth in their lives now one of the things that i know you are is a man of faith bruce and 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 i, I know within that faith there are some definitive truths for you when did you first recognize the power, the true magnitude of that power, that faith, the truth, and what it represents as for you as a man, and then what you can do through that servitude and knowing the truth through your faith, faith for other people, whether it's your Carry the Load Foundation, or it's helping individual vets, or it's just leading frogmen on a battlefield? When did that discovery of, of truth and purpose-driven truth come about in a real meaningful way for you? You know, I, I think for me, that's where I'm perhaps extraordinarily blessed because I've been around people. You know, my my father's father died when my dad was eight. And so my aunt, who's kind of the matriarch of our family uh, from deep south Texas, came up to, from Alice, came up to Arkansas. Her and my uncle JC, who's just the toughest man I've ever known, you know, farm family. And, and I watched them live out faith. Um, on a daily basis. And I remember really my first, it's, it's a funny story, really. My, my first opportunity to understand the, the confidence that only Christ can give me, right, um, was I, I got baptized. I remember I went up to the front of the church to accept Christ. And also Julie Johns had gone up and I thought she was really cute. So I'm <laughs> like, hey, this is a twin deal. I get closer to Julie and I'm going to get Jesus. And uh, we a had big this day. lake at my church in Arkansas. Yeah, big day, big day. Uh, my dad was not excited about that whole story. Uh, about <laughs> the and I remember we had these baptism services growing up Baptist. 
in in the lake. And I remember the preacher baptized me, and he kind of lost grip on me. So he's holding me underwater, trying to find me. And I was like, man, I didn't know this is how this one. I didn't know I was going to meet Jesus now. Like I, I thought I'd look dumb and come back up and go get some pudding. The potluck, right? And I thought my mom had paid off the preacher. And, <laughs> but I remember there's a split second moment where, like, all right, well, I mean, I know how this ends. If, if this Bible that I see is true is true, if a preacher doesn't pull me up, I, I just I know what I'm going to wake up to. And, and then watching people I loved a whole lot kind of suffer through illness or, or tragedy and, and to watch them kind of not emerge unscathed, but emerge time and time again, there's a resilience that, that um, that my faith has always been uh, instrumental in, in empowering and, 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 and to watch that uh, play out, not just in my own life, but in the life of uh, in the life of these men and women that I get to live life with. It's, it's rocket fuel, man. It's yeah, it is tremendous. Now, one of, one of the interesting things, you know, moving forward and the, what I love paying attention and, 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 and hopefully you can, you can kind of, pull this together. So you, you do a lot of work for a lot of people, whether it's your speaking career out there, whether it's, you know, running, you know, Trident, uh, your security company, or it's carry the load, or it's just stopping and working with some friends that are going through some struggles right now. What, what, what I know our listeners are looking for are some of the things that you're sharing out there. If it's, Let's say there's three or four things that you can pass on to our listeners that seem to be reoccurring in, in, in the lessons learned that you've learned in this remarkable life, Clint. What are those things that our listeners can begin to take from you today? Like they're going to, they're going to, you know, this podcast is going to end. They're going to get off their, their, you know, their headphones. They're going to go out, I get out, step out of the car. How can, what are the things that they can begin applying today to develop that great never quit attitude or mindset. Yeah. So, so when I left the teams, I, I'll, I'll be very honest. I, I probably lost my rudder a little bit uh, because the truth is you got to have commander's intent and you got to have mission clarity. If you're going to get to where you say you're going to go. And if you don't have those two things, the world's going to feed you something. The world is going to sell you some image of yourself that you ought to be. That's just what the world does, man. The world hates a vacuum. And so for me, it took a little while of feeling lost to realize that I was lost. And I didn't have that daily commander's intent and that, that mission, that bullseye clarity on my mission. So for me, you know, I had to, that's when I just kind of felt simplicity again. I had this great coach that told me, Clint's a, Clint, football's a real simple game made hard by coaches. You know, and <laughs> so, right. so for me, it, it gets real simple. Like you got to remember why you're there. Cause if you don't, the what's are going to take you down and, and the what's are all the, the distractions, the diversions, the distress, the, all those things that the world's trying to sell you. And if you know why you're there, it's simple. And I remember for me, football, my job as a linebacker is make tackles, make a lot of tackles because the more tackles I made, the more likely we were to win. And I remember they said, you know, how do you, how do you make I was in an interview? They said, how do you make so many tackles? And I said, well, they say cut. And I chase the person who I think has the ball, and I hit them as hard as I can. And if they don't have the ball, I get up, and I chase the next person who I think has the ball, and I hit them as hard as I can. And if it looks like the play's about to end, I turn and find anyone wearing a 10, 20, 30, 40 number, and I hit them as hard as I can. But I'm tackling someone on every play. 
Now, <laughs> listen, there's about 75 snaps per game for, for a linebacker. You get about 75 snaps, right? If I'm right 20% of the time, I just made 15 tackles. And that's a lot of tackles. And it sounds like it works. And so for me, I had to draw this line in the sand and go, hey, I'm not performing to my standards as a husband. And so why is that? And I had to make the world real small again and go, hey, why are you here? And so for me, I wanted to work for the best leaders in America. So I could earn the right to learn from them, number one. Number two, I want to create amazing careers for veterans and their families as they transit. Take care of the boys. It's mission number one as an officer. And then number three is so we can end veteran suicide. Because I saw Amen. amazing men and women just making that choice that you don't get back, right? And, and, you know, and even for myself, you know, I was sitting there looking at my life and just knowing that I wasn't performing to my standards. And, and, and so there's a difference between being here and being all the way home. It's kind of... This is the way I describe this uh, for myself and, and others now. There's a difference between being here and being all the way home. Here is an X on a map, and it's just geography, right? Home is knowing why you're here. Right. And that's why we can feel so much more at home overseas, because we know exactly why we're there. And if you don't know why you're there, you, you can't feel at home. And if you can't feel at home, you, you don't know what else is going on. So for me, this image that came into my head was, well, i got to breached it with me and coming all the way home and me being all the way home is what my bride deserves is what my girls deserve it's what my my friends and, and, and teammates now deserve and so you know how do we how do we get our way in the door we breach it and so for me i, I came up with this process called c4 because you know uh, <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it yeah and, and so c4 for me stands for career compete contribute and have a catalyst because what I realized, both as an athlete and as a SEAL, is my job every day, my career was competing, contributing, and having a catalyst, meaning getting better. That was when I was professionally competing, contributing, and, and having a catalyst in my life. And all of a sudden, I got out in my job of providing satisfaction and purpose and fulfillment that really only all four of those things could do. And so in a simple, you know, check in the box, hey, do you have a job? Are you providing for your family? I don't even care if you like it or not, because the truth of the matter is we're being honest with everything about being team guys. I mean, you wouldn't make a movie about 80% of what I did in the teams. You'd be like, oh, you could slow motion all you want to. You'd be like, there's Luke Change in the printer paper. Like, oh, there's <laughs> Doing the, the cargo nets. PowerPoint slide. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that, that's what we did. Yeah, just trying to figure out how to do a pallet. You know, I mean, that's, that's that's a lot of what we did. So, man, you got to be competing in something every day in something. And, and for me, competition is the wrestling match with fear. And that's how you, you keep from getting comfortable being afraid is you put yourself in a position to fail uh, every day in a little way. And, you know, competition is this thing that um, ignites pieces in you. And, and so for me, you know, I let my physicality decline because I wasn't deploying and I wasn't, um, you know, competing in all games, and, and I didn't have this this crucible that that everyone I was going to expose myself if I didn't train for it. So, you know, for me, my 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 mission now is be physically capable of saving my family if I need to. And so I just, you know, you put all my family in a bag, and it's four hundred pounds, and a hundred meters is minimum safe distance. So every six <laughs> weeks. I'm moving 400 pounds, 100 meters as fast as I can, and I'll never be fast enough at it, and my family's getting bigger. I love that, so man. Just, I love that. That is so cool. I had that. to create that gold medal round for myself, and the, literally the minute I did that, 
I became a competitor again. It's like, I, it's like, uh, you know, you see that movie Chronicles of Narnia and, you know, where Aslan's teeth and his mane and his claws grow back out and just putting that crucible in front of myself just ignited those parts of me that I loved a lot. And it didn't think I had a purpose for anymore. And then, you know, we're wired to contribute. So we talked about career. We talked about competing. The truth of the matter is we're hardwired to serve others. Amen. Yep. I mean, that is our design. That's our DNA is to be a contributor. And what I found is, you know, for me, I wasn't taking care of the guys. And that's, that's you know, and also, some officers were incredible operators. I really wasn't. I was upper half of the bottom third and pretty much everything we did. <laughs> but but I knew how to surround myself with just pipe hitters who were the best in class of what we had and kind of get them what they need and watch them work and try to blend in. And, and so... I had to find ways to, to, to take care of the boys and their families again. And then I had to find ways to get better. So, you know, when I started doing it every day, what I felt like is I felt like I was the me I liked a whole lot and not this me who forgot what it was like to be me. It's kind of like, you know, the book Tarzan. It's an awesome book, the original one. It's not a kid's book. It's a great book. And there's a, there's a one of my favorite lines in the whole book is there's a, when, and when he's gone back to England and he's assumed the role and they're having this ball, and uh, everyone is at the Greystoke Manor, and the author says, and there was uh, Tarzan, every bit the Lord, but the, the jungle stayed with him. And the reality is, is I've always wanted to be a sophisticated savage, you know, and, and what it happened You are! Is, that is for sure! Up. You are well, a sophisticated but what, savage! But, but that's what I'm saying. What, what, what I, but I've heard, you know, I'd let that savage part of me um, decline, and all it took was a decision to, to, to have that Silverback, wake up, stretch, flex, and just pull a tree out of the ground, right? Because that's, <laughs> that's, that's what we're built to do. But to be able to do that with tenderness to my family. So for me, it was just creating a system. And that, that really didn't have that much to do with my actual profession. My profession um, is a byproduct of what I'm really what I'm good at, but it's not who I am. Who I am is a guy every day who's going to be providing for those who depend on him, who's going to be competing in something that makes who's going to be serving others who can't benefit me in any real way because that's what I'm supposed to do. And he's going to be finding a way to get better and, and find that 1% because one day I'm going to run up against another silverback. And, and then that I'm fight is on. If it comes down to 1% because I've been hunting that 1% every day. It'd be, I mean, to be honest, this is, like, this is the other thing. I'm not much of a cardio guy. I like how silverbacks fight. They just kind of rise beat each other and then they just get Lines tired of and I like that I like that well that's why you and Marcus get along so well is because neither one of you can run for squat oh, yeah. so I, I love that about you too no no anger is cardio get it out of the way and go sit down like I don't get mad for a little bit when I do it's spectacular and then I just go sit down because I'm tired <laughs> Well, well, Clint, I, I want to tell you, man. You know, thank you so much for or, for coming on the show with us, and and uh, you know, you you are a truly amazing human being. I, I, I mean, you had an impact when I first met you in the teams, even though you did play lacrosse at the academy. But uh, I I still have the incredible respect, not for the man, not for the seal, but who you are as a man and your faith and what you contribute to society. And 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 just want to thank you so much. Uh, for coming on the show, it, it means the world to yeah, me in particular. Absolutely, you know, I talk about those guys out there you can stand next to, you learn something usually every time. Every time. Um, the nicest thing I want to say about you on here. You know, that's, that's the measure. <laughs> gotta be, gotta be, be worth y'all, man. That's that's what that's what a tribe does. Is every day you make sure you're worth the men and women next to you, and, and life gets real simple, man. It's all about simple, and you know, A was today good, bad, average, excellent, really. 
Absolutely. Life is all about simple. Well, thanks, brother, and God bless you. God bless your families, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, brother. You got it, brother. Long live, brother. Yeah, awesome. brother. Take care. Bro. Later. Dude, I, I tell you what, man. I, every time I hear the guy, he gets more articulate, he gets more in-depth, he gets more focused, and the, the way he delivers... When you can regurgitate stuff like that, when you see somebody doing that, that's not a line. It, at all. That's what I... You're, 100, you're on it right there. How many times do we actually, in, in life itself... And especially today, with the way pop culture is, the way the media we see, that we feel like it is a line, like yeah. it is contrived. It's not genuine. It's not authentic, right? And 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 I think because of that lack of authenticity, we would really develop in this negative outlook. So to speak. that's why a guy like Clint Bruce is so refreshing because it is truth to the guy. I mean, when the guy talks about truth, when I hear that man talk about truth. I believe him because he's been there. He's seen it. He has a reference point. I said, been road tested. <laughs> All I would say that is like, that one's been road tested. Meaning if, if you're about to go up against whatever it is you're talking about, you better be ready. Cause he is right? oh, put it to the test, both good and bad. Absolutely. And, and what, one of the things that I wanted to just reference and get you to talk a little bit about, is a whole sense, and you talked about this in, in our past episodes, it's the whole concept of covering down so other people can improve, right? Remember when he talked about how the men in his town that were close to his family, and he would say, no, no, I'm not going to go. I'm going to take care of my, my, my mom and my, my sisters and my, my, my brother or whatever. And they're like, no, we got you. And then he also he talks about covering down on his boys as as – as a, a leader in a platoon or or in buds and and you talk about too, that too with your crew growing up with your dad yeah all they that. Co- they have a strength that covers down on a weakness that i carry yeah and, and 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 are steadfast to the point to where they would die to cover it for me and i i to them and that was the cool part about not having a lot coming up even when you had your buddies and you young age when we got a hold of each other and you grow up together you're going through manhood together i mean you you figure it out and uh, no matter what, where we were in our lives or what kind of what, what part of it, man, we just we never fought, really. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I never no, had them knock down, yeah. drag out. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I've ever been in an argument with any of my friends. Really? That's not to say that they haven't whipped my ass. I mean, right. we've been all that. We, and we did that just to kind of toughen ourselves up or if I was getting out of line. But I've never been to a point where I was like, man, get out of my face. I want to see you again. Yeah, and, and where you ended it unnecessarily. Yeah, because right? I know uh, I'm better with them than without them. And that's a big point, and that's what I'm getting at because he talks about this. Ex- I mean, when you you kept hearing, he would kept loop looping back to that, especially the commentary where he talks about, "Hey, if I'm around other elite performers, I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to be humble, and I'm going to gain more information." And I think what Bruce, what Clint is trying to really talk about in 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 his whole concepts and you know the four C's, the C four, what he talks is say. Hey man, there's there's a process that you can follow to discover what your capabilities are, to to discover that uh, you know to 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 uh, say all right, it, like he says, your next challenge is coming. Yeah, it, it's not going to stop. Yeah, and, but and if you have 
people around that'll cover down on you. You have a, a, a system in place to approach how to get about it. And then you have this truth that you need to perpetually compete or be better or make yourself better on that, on that misty ridge line, right? And and that's that's the way you'll figure out this whole that's never quit mindset. People, I mean, they get you find somebody that you can connect with, and all of a sudden you over whatever whatever happened, you, you kind of separate, right? Yeah. What happened to me? I can feel the lull, right? Because I'm not doing something that I used to be doing while they were around, or or whatever that energy is. And I, I think sometimes, and that's a that's kind of one of the things we were talking about earlier when we, when we get out of the SEAL teams, man, they separated. That's probably by design, right? You just can't keep all of us in one round. I don't area. think it's by design at all because so. look at the problems we suffer from. And I think it's everybody. It's Ranger Battalion. Yeah, but just SF. imagine if we all got together out in the civilian world, had a hierarchy like we did in the teams, be like, all right, what do y'all want to do? What it would be what, awesome. What business do y'all want to run? I mean, it's, and, and have it run like a SEAL team out in the, I mean, come on. It man. would be awesome. The question is, why don't we do it? What drive, what pulls us back to where we're from or Work where we're through lunch, get off late. I mean, you, the, 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 it's funny because the excuses that people use in the civilian world that they really mean to get off work, we use as a punchline. Because we know we can't, there is no getting off, right? There is no yeah, stopping until it's done, right? And and that's the job that we have. Now, I, that's not to say, look, people, you need a break. There's Absolutely. there's breaks designed for us. We don't ever really talk about those. So I hate for people to think like the only way you're going to be successful is if you just punch it. But on the other hand, man, like sacrifice is huge. Yeah, man. If you're one of those ones that can't do the hundred push-ups, then you need to do push-ups till you can. Yeah, you can. And that's what he was talking about. That separation, right? There's there's bad. There's good, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's middle, there's good, there's excellent, and there's elite. When you run around with the guys who can do exactly like you can, you ain't going to get nothing. But if you run around in your crew and y'all are doing something, there's a guy who is exceptional at it, then you know where you need to get to. And you watch him and he'll drag you up, you know, because he loves you, right? It's not, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to be the best. I mean, if, I, if it's your boys, they're pulling you along. Then you got the guys who are underneath you who are watching you. And that's totally. how that stream works, right? And, and how the energy's translated. Right, and when you get somebody who tries to identify themselves, as an individual, then that's, it's broken, right? And that's why they don't survive in our, in our community. Absolutely. No, I, I like where you're going with that, Marcus. I think it's critical for our listeners to understand. Listen, as you move forward and you're, you're really stuck, because what I get a lot from, from our listeners is, you know, I'm stuck in this rut, and, and no pun intended, I'm stuck in this rut, and I don't know how to, you know, ignite that push to, to create that spark. And and the reality is, you need the team around you right. to to drive you because they'll see that. And here, never be afraid to shift gears because you you can you can man. get tunnel vision into something. And if you see that happening right there, if you're to a point to where you're really and you know you can can't lie to yourself, you can lie loud about yourself. You can't. You know, I mean, you, if you're getting to that stall, man, shift gears completely. Complacency. Yeah, man. Just, that's what he talked about. Right. Yeah, I was talking to. To uh, Alan a little bit earlier, yeah. talking about taking him to the to the MMA gym because Axe is getting ready to start doing that. So uh, he kind of had to smirk on his face as like, you embarrassed about going there and getting your butt whipped. I go, I, a lot of people are about and won't sign up to learn how to fight or do anything because they're embarrassed to go in there to and start to up. learn how yeah, to fight to get beat up. <laughs> the best fighter, the, Floyd Mayweather. If you walked up to him, he's like, "Hey man, did, when it, when you first started out, where your uncle's beating you down?" He'd be like, "Hell yeah, they still the beat time, me down." Yeah. Right? You know what I'm talking about? The yeah. best had to start at the bottom to climb a mountain. You got to start at the bottom, right? And if you if you just could understand that in the beginning, like there is no mistakes, like. I you know you know I can't apologize for a mistake unless I make one man and I, I'm gonna try and get out here and learn as best I can and I was one of them guys I had to get my you know, I lay with my head you know, <laughs> we, 
maybe we can get done, right? Like, I'm not going in here to whip him. I'm going in here to make sure he puts everything he's got into whipping my ass, right? And that's how I had to learn, right? I'm like, oh, that one worked good, buddy. I'm going to steal that from you. You know what I mean? Because I wasn't a prize fighter. But, uh, you know, it, th that was a beautiful part about being in the SEAL teams, man. I, I looked at those guys that were better than me and all, yeah. as the, the – I was the – The standard. Right, I was the cartoon dork, not the athlete. So I, I was kind of like, all right, man, that's – He's here with me, and that's what gives guys like me confidence. Right. Are the guys who are, are really good at it, and they're my teammates. They care about me. They want them to do better. So I'll watch them, then they'll watch me and critique me. The and teacher people, and the teammate. Right. And that's how when the student becomes a teacher and that vice versa role, I mean, you, you can't be – a lot of people get hiccuped or handcuffed around the fact that they're just a, a shame or whatever it is, man. Because Morgan and I were born so – you know, ugly and funny, man. I, did, I had to be like, you know what? Let's get in here and do this, right? Yeah. I just had that one of them go get them attitudes kind of deal. Well, and that's what you you need, man. You be you, you kind of ought to take a little bit of pleasure at laughing at yourself when you amen. get punched in the face. Amen. My leg the other day. I was telling you, I busted my leg up, man. I, I, I mean, how many times have you have we crawled out of a damn? Out of water. A bad out of water right? yeah, yeah. I mean, jocked up 360 yeah. pounds worth, yeah. but I can't crawl out of a swimming pool with a pair of swim trunks on, man. Out. Yeah, right? <laughs> but I can laugh at myself. You know, most people would just lose their mind, man. I was like, oh, that you know, studly. And then yeah. my wife, obviously, she's there to, to you know, she'll, she cuts me down pretty good, too, but then she's always there to, like, oh, pick you back up. Yeah, you know, I'm talking about that reassuring. And that's what our our boys do. And guys like us who have that pack mentality, yeah. you know what I mean? And even in the pack, we, talking about that right when yep. we get around all of our boys man we fall in line we walk a certain way and it's usually from the top down right or somebody yep. will take point we all cover down on each other i mean even at football games man we're sitting in line everybody's looking in different directions not even meaning to do it just worried about that other guy absolutely to cover back to cover <laughs> yeah. down and that's why i don't bring my kids when i'm out with all of our boys you know because my mind's off of them in the beginning this was tough for me because my i was like man i'm having trouble focusing on because i'm like if my guys are here i'm used to but the beautiful part about that is all my boys are focusing down on my kids. On your kids. And they you want to know who you, protect, yeah. you know who, are, who protect the kids better than their daddy? Or the uncles. Oh, big time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they, they don't mess around at all. It's not even funny. <laughs> ask, you know, I see somebody drive my kid, I'll be like, it's going to make you tough. Uncles don't play like that. Yeah, yeah. Especially in our community. I walk over and I saw you. You know? <laughs> we got a hole right over here. Yeah. Play it's, already yeah, yeah, it's already done. Yeah, it's already done. Come steal my ball. <laughs> Well, I love the way you described that. And I hope you as our listeners, you've heard throughout this whole episode is you've understood the power of covering down, the power of the truth in your life, pushing yourself to that next competitive spirit, and really just not being complacent with where you are and where you're going. Listen, it's going to be hard. Clint told you it's going to be hard. Marcus has said over and over and over, it's going to be hard. But that's the beauty of your growth. That's where in that moment where everything seems like it's getting harder and harder and harder, that's where you discover the never quit mindset, right? That's where, you know, that's where you become the person you want to become. So listen, if you want to know more about Clint Bruce and, and, and who he is as a man, please visit him at clintbruce.com. You can go to his uh, professional at tridentresponse.com. His amazing uh, nonprofit called Carry the Load, which is carrytheload.org, or check him out at holdfasthq.com. 
Um, this guy is all over the map, but in a focused way, delivering incredible content, helping literally hundreds, if not thousands of people uh, in their quest to discovering the never quit mindset. So uh, I, I just want to reach out and thank God for my ability to be a part of, of this incredible experience in this podcast. I want to thank Marcus. I want to thank the wizard. You guys, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do this with anybody else. Uh, and I want to thank the listeners because you're amazing people and your, you, your stories, uh, and what you submit on our website, your personal never quit stories, plus the comments you make on our social media platforms and what you've sent me personally, it inspires me to keep going because this is my purpose is to, to put out incredible motivational media that matters. Uh, and I thank God for the ability to do that. I thank my family, in particular, my kids, uh, and just, man, I feel blessed, Marcus. How about you, bud? So I had to do the, uh, the Valentine's day birthday week bash for, for Melly. So I had to put out on that one, man. So if you, I mean, I always give thanks to the wife, you know, loving me, man. <laughs> I get a kick out of doing all that. Just uh, man, I you know what? That's probably stuff. I've been in trouble before for talking about that on on the on the mic, right? From other guys, but <laughs> yeah, like, you yeah. just shut up about what things. Yeah. Give you. you know what I mean? <laughs> so I'll keep that one limited, man. But uh, God, that woman. I mean, literally every day, I'm just excited to get up. I get up before her. Yeah. I'm kind of like looking over there, just so uh, the life she's blessed me with, with, with my kids. God, man, and just the levity they bring every day. It, 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 I'm glad they're here, man, because the humble platform. I'm, just underneath myself amen walking around them that's that's the cool part about it so uh and everybody who keeps bringing us back man from last year how we did and then this year we'll kick it off and and uh we promise to keep uh, doing the best we can do for you so thanks for letting us do that god bless we're out